Well, we are continuing our sermon series here entitled Live on Purpose. God has given us purpose. It's life-giving, joy-filled, inspiring, but we don't live on purpose. We don't live for that purpose. We're broken individuals, human beings, and we live for so many other things, and we're driven by so many other things that are either controlling us or leave us unsatisfied, bring brokenness into our lives. God has given us purpose. As we're walking through this series in the book of Proverbs, it's very practical. It gets into the nitty-gritty, the, 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 the daily grind of our lives of how do we live out God's purpose on purpose. So as we walk through the Proverbs, as I've shared over the past couple of weeks here, uh, this how I walk through these sermons is, is a bit different than usual, okay? I, I'm not taking a, a passage with you know, multiple sentences, and we're not walking through that, breaking that down as we go through it. We're, we're seeing kind of like a thread, a theme that, that's woven through God's Word, or woven through the book of Proverbs, and we're unpacking that as we pull on that thread. We've walked through, what is our purpose? Last week we hit on planning for purpose. And today we're talking about being disciplined for purpose. In light of this sermon series, because it's intensely practical and it's it's just something that we are to see form us and shape us in our lives. This isn't something we just, oftentimes what happens with sermon series is, yeah, we're inspired and and our intellect was uh, tickled and we're interested we might be warmed and move. We may actually even talk about it after, you know, over lunch or, but oftentimes things just kind of fall away and we get back to our daily lives. This is significant. And as a result, we want to see this change us. God's word. One of the reasons, one of the uh, uh, ways that we're going to go about accomplishing that is through a congregational time of fasting and prayer. In the, in, in the month of February. I'm going to be laying out more details in the coming weeks. But starting February 5th. We've done this a couple years ago. We're going to begin 21 days of fasting and prayer. Now fasting can look like a lot of different things. It's not just food. It might be from social media. It, it might be uh, uh, from uh, various other vices in your life. That have control. Where you don't have control over it. For example, this is an opportunity not for us to just address these behaviors or habits, but but in prayer and fasting, the purpose is we need a power that is not our own to experience change. Prayer and fasting is this this planting our our roots in a place where we can grow. And that is in God, in his word and in his presence. And so this time of extended fasting and prayer is for us. To receive God working in us, get God in us, the spirit working in us in order for him to live his life through us and accomplish what he desires through us. Like I said, I'm going to hear, uh, you're going to hear more about this next week, the coming weeks. I'll be sending some emails out as well with further instructions as we walk through this together. But wanted to prompt you about that just to begin praying. As we begin this, Lord, what might this time of fasting and prayer look like for me? What might that involve? What might be the specific thing? Whether it's food, whether it's something else. But I want to encourage you to begin praying even now. 
Discipline for purpose. So recently I ran a marathon, and as a result, I damaged things, which is what I do. I do, uh, you know, I kind of go 110% whenever I do whatever I do, and, and I end up, you know, harming myself. When you're older, that tends to happen a lot more frequently. Well, as a result, when you, you know, I've got a damaged knee, I've got a torn meniscus, got to go and do some rehab. Anybody been through rehab? Done some physical therapy of some sort or another, right? So you go and do rehab, and your rehab is really only as good as the effort that you put into it. It's really tempting to just show up to physical therapy or rehab and, like, you fix me. Do your magic, whatever voodoo you do, do it to me so I don't have to do any work. That's not how it works. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be disciplined if you want to experience the restoration, the healing, and whatever is damaged in your, in your body. A couple of weeks back, um, Carl Hansen, one of our, our members here who's been homebound because he's had multiple strokes. Many of you know uh, Carl Hansen. Many of you don't. We've had a lot of growth and change here over the years. Uh, Carl has been homebound uh, because of the strokes and his mobility has been limited. He experienced some sickness over the holidays and it ended up, uh, 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 his body was so weak that he was not able to go home. And so he had, he was hospitalized and had to go into rehab. I showed up for a visit one of those days and, and, and Carl was in the midst of rehab. And Carl's, again, his mobility, his left side, and, and Carl's left-handed, left-dominant. And so for, as a stroke victim, it's incre- incredibly difficult when you're left dominant to lose functioning in your left side. And I saw Carl in the hallway. And he was, with some assistance, walking, I should say shuffling, down the hallway. He had a cane in one hand. And he was saying, one, two, three, lift. 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 Over and over. He had done the hallway 50 yards up and back multiple times. You can imagine at that pace, you're not going anywhere fast. That wasn't the point. Carl was driven. It didn't matter how much he had to do. Carl expressed, I want to go home. I want to be with my wifey. I want to go home. And he pushed and pushed himself. Though that left leg especially, between the brain and the leg, it wasn't moving. And he was talking to it. He was telling it what to do. Lift. Lift. And multiple times he had to repeatedly say over and over again, lift. To get it to move. Little by little. Every shuffle by shuffle. He made it. Like Carl, we can learn so much from Carl, from his determination. Little by little. 
when we cultivate holy habits into our lives, we will move towards God's purpose for us. But it requires focused determination in order to cultivate our purpose into our daily grind. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself might not be disqualified. As Paul demonstrates here, we have got a purpose that is far greater than than anything in this moment, than any other race and finish line, completing a marathon. Oh, that's fantastic. But that is worthless compared to eternity, to heaven. And Paul explains, we have a purpose, a relationship with Jesus Christ that's worth the discipline. And he says, I beat my body and make it my slave that I might not be disqualified. We have a purpose and it's worth the discipline. It's worth the the determination and the focus to live it out. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to speak into our moment today as we consider the kind of grit the the kind of uh, determination necessary lord to let you live your life through us to respond and join you in what you're doing in us lord god to align our lives with you your your good your glorious purpose for us loving you loving others So God, help us to hear, help us, Lord, to apply today and help me as your weak and broken vessel to preach your truth in your name. Amen. Like I mentioned last week, you can jump ahead to the next slide there. We use the illustration of big rocks in the canister to, 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 to show the importance of planning our priorities. If we don't plan our priorities first, these are big rocks. If we don't put them in place in our lives through weekly kinds of planning, we will just continue to be driven by our impulses, by anything else in our lives. What are our priorities? What is our purpose? We need to structure it into our lives. The passage we spoke from last week. It says Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. There's kind of an instinct in many of us that, that we, wanna, we want a, a quick fix for things. But if we're going to experience the kind of blessing and success that God has for us in this life, we've got to follow God's rules in, in God's world. It's the plans of the diligent that lead surely to abundance, to success. We talked about planning last week, but plans, we can all make all kinds of plans. Many of us have made plans we've not followed through. It's the plans of the diligent. There's diligence that's necessary in order for us 
to see things through to completion, to see God's purpose cultivated in our lives. Today, we're going to break down what is diligence? What, what, is, the, what is this idea of diligence that, that the scriptures tell us about? As it's important to our lives in, in, in order to experience success and abundance. In general, the word diligent means to be sharp. To be sharp. Or in the verb form, it's to cut. Now, some of you are thinking, that's a knife. This is a Christmas present from my brother. I'm not sure what to do with it. It's huge. It looks cool, though. Being sharp, though, in terms of diligence, is this sense of being focused and being determined. And applying diligence in terms of an action, it is to make a permanent change to something. To cut something. To make a permanent change. So as that, as that plays itself out here in God's word for us, diligence is this sharpness of focus and determination. You get a hold of something and you're not going to let go. It's this seeing things through and not let living things be unraveled or undone or partially done in your life. Let's, let, let's, let's take a look at some of the scriptures here about diligence and we're going to apply them to our lives. Proverbs 13, 4 says this, the soul of the sluggard or, or the a lazy person craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The point is this, the diligent are, did, go to the next slide please. The diligence is the determination to get things done. Diligence is the determination to get things done. There's a sense of initiative. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do this. I'm going to have to apply my own sweat, my own effort to get things done. I'm not going to wait for inspiration. I'm not going to wait till I feel like it. I'm going to apply effort because it's My goal, what's driving me, is worth it. I'm going to apply effort. I'm going to take initiative to get things done. Now think about that in terms of, as we break down the the, the purpose that God has given for us, to love God, love others. We broke that down. We talked about who goals versus do goals last week. That I am someone who's loved by God. I am a person who loves God and loves others. As we break that down into the nitty-gritty of our lives, there are some some specific kinds of behaviors where that plays out. Whether that is in uh, terms of, as someone who loves God, I want to be in the Word. I want to be knowing Christ. I want to put myself in positions where I'm in prayer and communication with Him. Where I'm in His Word and I'm reading that, whether that's personally or as a family. We want us to be growing and knowing Christ. I want to put ourselves in that place. I want to be in that habit of doing that. Or I want to be living out as, as someone who's loved by God. And, and I want to be living a healthy lifestyle in terms of what I eat and how I take care of my body. So that involves certain, certain diet patterns or certain exercise routines and things like that. The, the, there's some pieces that get cultivated into our lives. There's some habits that, that begin to trickle down as we let our purpose live itself out, flesh itself out, as we plan it out. 
as you consider what some of these habits might be in your life, whether they have to do with relationships and changing how you relate to others so you're loving and not self-centered, you're thoughtful. Maybe it's related to your finances. In addition to healthy living or, or knowing Christ being in, in the scriptures and prayer, I want you to ask yourself this qu- a couple questions here. Considering one of these goals, these areas of life of knowing Christ, becoming like him, excuse me, loving God and loving others, what would it look like for you to take action and take initiative today and tomorrow? What's that next step? Just and again, this, we're trying to make this intensely practical. In terms of some of these new habits that you want to see formed in your life, what would be that next step today? What would it look like? To visualize that. And I, and I want to challenge you as well as we walk through this. This is much like a workshop in, in certain degrees. I really encourage you, write it down. Pull out your phone, pull up your notes, type it out. Take out the, the, the bulletin, write it down. What is that next step today or tomorrow? What does that look like? Or maybe what is that daily or weekly habit? Maybe you've already thought of this, but again, write that down. What is that habit that would look like to put my purpose into action? The diligent is determined to get things done. There's action that they're taking. Take a moment to consider it. As we consider getting things done in our lives, there's some self-talk that's got to change. There's some messages that we have to tell ourselves. This is a big part of this step for us, is changing the messages that we speak to ourselves on a daily basis. Because I love God. Reminding ourselves, because I love God, I want to please him more than I want to live out of my emotions. I'm one who lives to please God, not one who lives to indulge my emotions or lives out of my emotions. When we start changing the script and telling ourselves who we are in Jesus Christ, this is part of the pathway forward. Our self-talk, our script has to change. We have to tell ourselves the truth. All right, the next passage here. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. The point is this, that diligence applies self-control. You can go to the next point. There we go. Diligence applies self-control to reach a goal, Instead of being controlled by one's desires, other people, or circumstances. This is a radical difference in terms of those who get things done and those who wait to feel like getting things done. Too often, what gets in the way of us taking action is that we are... We are too often determined by either what's inside of us. I'm going to wait till I feel like it before I change how I, what I eat or what I do or before I get in, read, read God's word or spend time in prayer. I'm going to wait till I feel like it. Or, or we let disruptions. Things happen. Circumstances outside of our control. It disrupts our routine. 
And we let the circumstances dictate us rather than being resilient. No, I'm a result. Like, this is important. I want this. I'm going to get this no matter how I can, even if my routine is disrupted. We have vacations. We have trips. We have life circumstances that interrupt. And oftentimes we let these circumstances have more control in our lives than we do our purpose. We want to apply diligence. That self-talk, again, I am, I am powerful in Christ, and I am not a victim of my emotions and my circumstances. Some of you, this is a powerful statement. I am victorious in Christ. I am not a victim of my emotions and my circumstances. That is a powerful statement to remind yourself every day and throughout the day. Like these things, I feel this, but this is not what defines me. This is not my purpose to just live for my emotions, what I feel. It is not my, is not what I want to control me to let my circumstances or other people determine what I do. The diligent will rule themselves. They will be in control of themselves. Those who do not apply self-control in their lives will end up being managed by their circumstances, managed by other people. Once again, consider Carl and his example. As he diligently told himself and spoke to himself, one, two, three, lift. Repeatedly telling himself over and over what to do. Instructing his body. What are some of the self-talk messages that you need to address that keep you acting out of a place of being a victim, a place of powerlessness, instead of a place of victory and power? What are some of those messages that repeatedly attack you or come at you? What are some of the truth statements of who you are in Jesus Christ that you need to remind yourself of? Diligence, in addition to having this clarity of purpose and keeping that purpose in front of us by self-talk, it also delays gratification. It recognizes that I'm going to have to make some sacrifices that I'm, I'm not going to be able to get what I want in the moment. I'm going to have to take, make sacrifices for what is good in order to get the results later. Anything that's good in our lives requires delayed gratification. Whether you want to lose that weight or whether I want to have that, that, that powerful presence of Christ in me and that victory living itself out in me, it, it takes time for these things to happen. We're not going to get immediate results. It takes time. There's delayed gratification. Now, bad habits, though, give us immediate gratification. Those are easy for us to form because it feels good right now. Those gummy worms I ate last night, they were delicious. And they felt great right in the moment. About 3 o'clock in the morning, they didn't feel so good. 
Delayed gratification. The wisdom there from God's word. The diligent understand this. That I can have gratification in the moment, but the consequences are going to come eventually. Or I can make sacrifices in the moment with diligence, and the rewards are going to come later. couple questions. What are some things that rule over you or keep you from pursuing your purpose? What are some things you just kind of let have power in your life? People, circumstances, emotions, name them specifically. What are some of the areas of your life you'd like to apply self-control, create some new habits? What does it look like? If you're living on purpose, living out being loved by God, living out that you love God, he's your priority, living out love for others. What kind of habits? Flesh themselves out. Okay, the next, uh, next passage here. It's a familiar one here, Proverbs 21.5, as we talked about the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. The point here is that the diligent create a plan, but they see it through to completion. Many of us leave a lot of loose ends. Like we get started, we're good at starting stuff and we get excited, but we don't see it through. We get distracted. Squirrel. Or it gets hard. Maybe we, we fail. We give up. And so we stop because we failed and we gave up, whether it's we couldn't, we, we, we lost our routine of getting into God's word and prayer or with our exercise or eating or went on a spending spree with our finances. <clears throat> the diligence have a plan, but they see it through to completion. A couple questions here. Go to the next slide. And the next one. What are some goals or growth areas that you would like to see through to the end? How do you let yourself get interrupted or distracted instead of working on your goals or doing the most important things? What, what, what are ways that you intend to get interrupted in the process of seeing a goal through? And I know I'm moving kind of fast through some of these things. I'll be sending out this, these slides like I've done the past couple of weeks here. Finally, Proverbs 10, 4, and 5 says this. Lazy hands make a poor man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. What he's talking about here is this, this sense of, of, of being prepared in advance being persistent and consistent in these rhythms of life and not living in reactivity, living in the tyranny of the urgent, waiting till harvest time and, and even then not getting things done. Diligence is persistent and consistent. Bruce Waltke says this, diligence possesses, a diligent person possesses constancy, attentiveness, and persistence in an effort to accomplish something. Craig Rochelle says this. Successful people do consistently what everyone else does occasionally. You can insert diligent person in that quote there. A diligent person does consistently what others do only occasionally. 
I've used the term habits throughout the message here multiple times because our, our habits are, are a very concrete expression of diligence. This is where it all kind of comes together in, in terms of, of planning, in terms of focus, in terms of seeing things through to the end and, and, and completion, in terms of consistency in our lives. Habits become a very practical way not just forming good habits, but also addressing the bad habits in our lives that, that drive us towards other things that are not our God's design purpose. I'm going to walk through here. What does it mean to form a habit? We, oh, you can go back, please. Um, as we've been talking about this through this time here, we can't wait for ourselves to just be inspired and feel like doing things. Hopes don't lead to change. Habits lead to change. We can aspire to many things, but unless we put it in practice into our lives, change is not going to happen. So some things for us to understand, how does habit, how do habits form? Cause if we understand how they're formed, you can go back, please. Sorry about that, Beth. Hang in there. <laughs> How are habits formed here? So we start with, we've got a trigger in our life. Something happens, trigger in our lives. I sit down to watch TV and a craving happens. I want food. And then there's a response. Food magically ends up in my lap and in my mouth. And then there's a reward. I feel satisfied. Because I didn't go get the food. It just magically happened to me. Right? No. We cultivate we create routines, right? So we've got these different cues in our lives, these different triggers, these places where we walk. It could be people, uh, uh, situations, uh, 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 different rhythms in our lives, smells even. We've got all these different triggers that all of a sudden we've got habits that, have, that follow. Now, some of these habits have just formed without us being intentional. And some of these habits we've cultivated out of purpose in our life. Habits are powerful in shaping us and in, in, in forming who we are. So we want our habits to be formed by who God says we are. Otherwise, we'll just give in to our sinful nature. So knowing this, there's some kind of triggers that happens, and then I go into these routines in my life. There's this craving that, that comes up. I follow through with a kind of action, and there's, and there's some kind of reward that happens. Now, we can use this knowledge for our good. So in terms of forming good habits, let's say like we want to be in God's Word as a family or individuals, we want to spend time in the word and prayer. How are we going to cultivate that in our lives? Well, first off, we've got to start small. Oftentimes, our habits are unhelpful or our hopes are really unhelpful because they're too big. And we're like, I'm going to read for an hour a day. I'm going to go through the Bible in a year. And, we're going to, and, and you've gone from like, I've read nothing to these grand goals. And you, you might get started. You read one or two days and then it's just too much and too big. And you, you stop and you give up. Start small. Keep it simple. So this might 
this, this may be as simple as like, I, I'm going to start with five minutes a day. And you feel like, wow, that sounds, that sounds too small. You know what? If it's more than nothing, that's great. Because just like Carl, it wasn't a matter of, of how big his steps were. It was the fact that he was taking steps and, and moving forward, baby steps. You see, when we have success in employing small habits, habits, healthy, holy habits have the effect of accumulating. You see, they'll start stirring and cueing other healthy, holy habits in our lives because we're being successful in following through. So in terms of the steps here, make it small is the first thing. Oh, go back, please. Hang with me. I'll tell you when to go forward. Building good habits. Make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. Make it obvious. So if I'm going to get in the Word each day, I need to make it so that it's a part of my regular routine. Make it super obvious. Because oftentimes we want to start brand new things. So you know what? How many of you sit down and you eat a meal a day? Do you you eat? Do any of you eat? You all eat. You all have a meal, right? You're already doing something. Structure, you try to structure new habits into already existing rhythms. All right? You're like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to read the word. Well, you don't do anything and you certainly don't get up at 5 a.m. And you you hit the snooze like five times anyways and you're up at like 7 o'clock. Like 5 a.m. ain't going to happen, people. Don't set yourself up for failure. But you do eat breakfast. Combine it with eating breakfast. You sit down. I'm going to open God's word in five minutes. I'm going to get in the word and spend some time in prayer. In that five minutes, as we are successful at doing that, attaching that habit, making it obvious, I'm going to put my Bible down on the table where I eat breakfast. It's obvious. I see it. I'm attaching it to my rhythms and my routines of what's already going on in my life. Then I can make it automatic. And then I start to get Success. It builds into my routine. And I feel I get the reward of that satisfaction. How, I mean, how often when we get things done, it feels good, right? It feels great to get things done. Something that keeps us stuck often is the shame of I started and I stopped again. And why try if I'm just going to fail? Shame keeps us from moving forward. So we can use... This, the, the, the very structure of how habits form to work for us. So the cue is I get up, I eat breakfast, I'm in the word and I spend time in prayer. That becomes the cue. I'm eating breakfast. I'm going to get in the word and pray. That becomes the trigger. That can work out in, in so many other areas of our lives. Now, the same thing happens here in breaking habits. We need to Understand that we, we want to make whatever whatever it is that, that, that is that bad habit, whether for me it is that eating after 8 p.m., that's something I want to eliminate because uh, uh, I, 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 I emotionally eat. I know none of you do that, but I do. I confess. And if I make it invisible, make it unattractive, make it hard, make it unsatisfied. You know what? If I don't go off and buy gummy worms or send my son to the store to buy me gummy worms, They're not there for me to eat, you know? If I make it hard for me to get to, like if you're having trouble getting up in the morning and you turn off your alarm, you hit snooze every time, move your alarm across the room so you can't reach it, so you have to get out of bed, 
in order to turn it off, make it hard. Identify the triggers for these bad habits. Try to remove them, replace them. Interrupt that routine. You allow yourself to get compulsively attached to your phone and it affects your productivity. Have a place to put your phone. One of the things, one of the goals we have as our family, and I don't do this very well, is no phones at the table. The table, phone goes elsewhere. In order to keep the priority is family. Not be interrupted. Identify the trigger, remove the triggers, identify the routine, interrupt the routine with a healthy, holy habit, with an alternative. So you can go to the next slide here, Beth. What's a new habit that will help you live out your purpose? How can you make it obvious, attractive, and easy to do? How can you apply diligence to your new habit? We've got a testimony here this morning of a couple who have um, experienced the blessing of God's diligence in their lives in the area of finances. In terms of loving God and being loved by Him, they wanted their finances not to be in control of them, but for their finances to be followed God's way. And so I'm going to invite Travis and Sarah. Come on down. And they're going to share with us how they've lived out these principles of diligence in the area of finances. Here you guys go. So this is Travis Schumann and Sarah Nystrom Schumann. Good morning. Recently married. So, Travis and Sarah, um, share with us a little bit about your current situation. What, 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 uh, what a little God over doing? a year ago, I was in a rough spot. I was twenty grand in credit card debt, and I felt very stuck. What is my purpose? What do I got to do to help? Get me out of this situation. I did a lot of praying. And I met this beautiful young lady over here. <laughs> and that gave me a huge purpose. <laughs> um, so currently, we've been married about a little over three months. Um, and we started working through that purpose... Um, questions from last week. And really we came up with two so far, but one, our purpose as a couple is to worship and see God's beauty through traveling to new places and experiencing new cultures. Um, I love to travel. We both love being outdoors. And so that's one of the things that we would like to do moving forward. And two, we want to really live generously as a way to show God's love to other people. So as of December 31st, we are debt-free, and we were able to pay off all of his debt. So as Travis mentioned, you guys weren't always Mm -hmm. debt-free. There was quite a journey. You said a year ago, you're 20 grand in debt. And that means in the course of one year, you are 
out of debt, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing. So tell us a little bit, how did you guys go from in debt, 20 grand to out of debt? Uh, well, it kind of goes back to both of us are very different um, and as a lot of couples are. But my background is um, I graduated from college and I moved to Maryland and really used biblical principles with my finances. Um, I lived within my means. Uh, for example, when my roommate and I moved out there, we saved up to buy a couch. So we our, our thought was... We bought exercise balls as like our couch because we'll work out while we're watching TV, right? So that was our theory. And um, we used exercise balls for several months until we had enough money to buy for a couch. Granted, we didn't know anyone. No one came over. um, But that was our mindset. We didn't buy things unless we could afford them and pay for them. Um, I was really blessed with a great job. um, And so I was able to pay off my undergrad loans. I went through and finished a master's degree. Um, And then I was able to generously give to friends of mine who lived overseas um, doing missions or who traveled overseas. Um, And then I sponsored a couple children in Uganda. So because of how I managed my money, I was able to, God gave me more opportunities um, to excel and then to gift money to others. And so we wanted to really bring that into our marriage Um, and so Travis talked to me, it was last February. He kind of told me about his finances and I was really surprised. And, um, I said, you know, in order to fix this, we're going to need to have a plan. And, um, one of the big things with credit card is your monthly payment, which he was paying all goes towards interest. Like very, very little of that money actually goes to the principal. So we needed to find ways for more of his monthly income to go towards that principal. So we looked at all of his expenses and had some really good conversation about what is a need versus what is a want, um, where can we make some cuts. And um, so Travis did the following. I made a lot of cuts. <laughs> I really enjoyed Sirius XM on my uh, in my truck, you know, and uh, that kind of spendy. So I made that cut, mm. and it come to find out I didn't really need it after all. Mm. I was okay without it, and I also had some. I had items because I thought I, you know, four wheeler, you know, would be great to uh, just use and have, you know, but I didn't really use it. So in the end, it was really costing me a lot of money, and I sold it. And I put all that money towards the credit card. And I sold some other stuff, too. And then uh, we made, we had conversations about, okay, how can we do this even faster? So we had, I mean, two, three hours conversations like, we need to get this done and we can do it. I mean, with prayer with prayer, and uh, with God on our side. And uh, so then she said, well, let's, let's, uh, how about we do a balance transfer? And with zero interest, you know. Mm. And uh, so then that way I don't have to pay that interest. Mm-hmm. And then I can make bigger payments towards that debt 
and it worked. Yeah, and we also um, did some retirement fund shifting um, in the short term. Again, a lot of these changes were short-term changes so that long-term we could invest more later on. Um, But yeah, Travis did a lot of work and made a lot of cuts. Um, And then I think a couple of the habits just... After work, he would stop at the store, and so we started meal planning. Um, So we knew exactly what we were going to have during the week or which nights we were going to go out. Um, We were really intentional for finding cheaper date options because we were still dating. Um, And so, like, we bought a parks pass and went to some national or some state parks. Um, So once you buy the pass, then you get in for free to all these places. Um, And so we were really intentional with how we used our money, um, and tried to change some of those bad habits. Wow. So Travis and Sarah, how are you different people now uh, as a result of what you've gone through over the last year? Well, I think for me, um, you know, just that intentionality piece, um, having a lot of conversations, trying to figure out why we you know, why do I want to make this purchase? Is it necessary? Does this align with our purpose statements that we wrote and our big goals? Um, you know, I've always kind of had this big picture thinking, but now to bring that into a marriage and combine that thinking, um, there's some compromise um, that has to happen, which I'm not used to um, <laughs> being single for so long. Um, but yeah, it's that compromise. People out there would say they still struggle with compromise, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone here. But um, yeah, so that compromise piece and you know, making sure that we both get um, what we want and it also kind of aligns with um, those big picture and big purpose items. And I find out I don't need everything. <laughs> so you so, applied some of that that those disciplines of diligence to uh, uh, to the uh, impulsive kind of decisions, not being led by your emotions and uh, desires, but having a being driven by a purpose and goal. Very big purpose, yes. That uh, that you know you got to use finance as uh, as a means of going through life, but. You don't need everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that we, we still need uh, God in our, in our life, you know, to make right decisions and to be intentional about planning on a weekly basis. Those are big steps. They're little steps, but they've lead, led to big things. Right? Yes, yes. Very rewarding, yes. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. Appreciate you guys so much. Love these guys. Well, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. Again, as we walk through this series here, I'm going to take this home. I'll have some follow-up emails here uh, with with some of the practical pieces to to follow through and, and for you to work through and apply in your lives here. One of the things I think is important as we go out, and we're going to sing this song. It's about grace. Grace is the most important thing that changes us. Paul even tells his uh, disciple Timothy or Titus, excuse me, he says, God's grace is what teaches us to say no to the bad stuff. And to say yes to God's stuff. 
God's grace is what changes us. Diligence in and of itself can be a slave driver. But it's because of God's love, his kindness. We are not defined by what we do. That's the danger where diligence can come into play. And some of our personalities are really wired. Like we get things done, but we can be very proud and arrogant by what we get done. It can be another form of self-righteousness. And others, we can be defeated because we don't do anything. It's God's grace that changes us, that leads us forward. And so let's keep that in front of us as we seek to let God cultivate his life in and through us to live on purpose. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for your wisdom that is very practical. It's not merely intellectually inspiring, but God, very practical in guiding us in our daily grind. We pray for your grace to apply this today, tomorrow, and the next. In your name we pray. Amen.